I don't care where I play as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to episode 22 of season 2 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button, the director of scouting for TSN uh, and uh, the color analyst during the World Under-18 Championship. Craig Button will join us uh, just very shortly. My name is Dean Millard, and this is where the stars of tomorrow are discovered and discussed. And uh, as you would guess, we are going to have a U18 flavor to today's show. Brant Clark is one of the NFTs we'll be discussing. Ruby ISS winning a bidding war for him, $300. You might think that's high, but uh, when he goes top five, it's going to pay off for uh, Ruby ISS. Uh, continuing on, Simon Edmonton of uh, Sweden. A couple of penalties so far in two games at the U18. Spitfire Scouting owns this NFT, purchasing him for $110. We get into a couple of Russian uh, players. Uh, Fyodor Svechkov uh, for the U18 team. Just $20. I'm going to guess that was a listing by Ruby ISS. That That's pretty impressive. Uh, to get a player who is, uh, as Craig is going to describe, uh, just a terrifically all-around player. And uh, Nikita Tabrikov, who scored the game-winning goal in that crazy comeback against the U.S., uh, another Spitfire scouting prospect, $125 purchased for this NFT. And we're going to wrap things up today with... A guy that, uh, you know, my wife is really excited about because uh, she purchased this NFT in the uh, initial futures auction for $525. We're talking about Shane Wright, the captain for Canada. Even strength, power play, and shorthanded goal in game one against Sweden. So all of that loaded U18 discussion today. And, of course, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS hotline. Check out the brand-new website, www.uffsports.com. You can uh, be a fan, a scout. You can join a team. Uh, you can try to buy a team. Uh, but there are so many options, or options rather. Uh, and then you can get into the, uh, the hockey side where you can lo- log in. And uh, it is just uh, absolutely awesome. Uh, you own the game, www.uffsports.com. You can become a scout and then scout and track the same players that Craig Button and other scouts do. In this format, you own the game, so make sure you get in the game. All right, let's get to the director of scouting for TSN, Mr. Craig Button, right now. Here he 
is the director of scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. Craig, joining us uh, from the Lone Star State in Texas, uh, where the World U18s are happening. And, and of course, uh, a couple of really exciting days. A lot of goals in the first couple of days, Craig. And and I wonder, with the, the season, the year, the lifestyle we're in right now, how impactful for some players is this U18 tournament going to be because of the limited viewings this year? Well, I, I mean, it's impactful for the players because they have an opportunity now not only to to be in an environment where it's best on best and they get to display what their skills and talents are but to test themselves against uh, other players in their peer group and for the uh, nhl personnel that are watching and trying to uh, get uh, as much information and try to you know call as, as much confidence as they can by watching these players because Ultimately, they're going to have to make a decision on who they select. And, you know, we can look at it and say this guy has skill or this guy has skill or we want this type of player. But what you want to get to is that point of like, I'm really confident. I'm really confident or as confident as I can be uh, with this player. And this is a player we want. And so I think that for everybody, you know, the players are trying to, uh, you know, show what their capabilities are. They're trying to help uh, the NHL personnel gain that confidence. And, you know, the, the NHL personnel want to want to be able to take information and, and information that they haven't been able to really build upon in, in a significant way over the last 13 months to to be able to make uh, important decisions for their for their future, which comes up with the 2021 draft and and, uh, you know, not, not so much going forward. You know, one of the things I would say to Dean is, you know, you, you have limited time here. So. Shane Wright's really good. You shouldn't be wasting any time evaluating Shane Wright mm -hmm. or Connor Bedard. It, it, it's nice. You can make observations and you can say, hey, okay, here's what we've seen. But you don't have the benefit of the last 13 months of, of a real deep dive on the players uh, with respect to watching them and uh, information-wise. So you, you, you can't afford to be watching games and zeroing in on anything but the 2021 draft uh, for the most part. Yeah, and one of those guys is Brant Clark, uh, a defenseman uh, who's suiting up for Canada. Ruby ISS scouting uh, won the bidding war for this NFT in the original uh, auction, uh, the Futures auction. Uh, they paid $300 for this NFT, a goal and an assist for Brant Clark in the first game for Canada. And um, the, the the thing I look at with this guy, and I know we, we shouldn't often go off stats, but you know when, when he was with uh, Don Mills U16, this guy scored 35 goals. It was third on his team i thought for a minute craig that maybe he had been a forward at some point but no uh, he is a defenseman that just loves the offensive game and is obviously very good at it he's outstanding and you know uh when when you look at uh at brant and his abilities you, you know i know i know we we see him score goals and we see him make plays in the offensive zone his game with the puck his 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 mind 
is so relaxed and so astute to where the pressures are. And, and he doesn't force plays. You know, he's not afraid to initiate or to take uh, uh, opportunities and, and even sometimes take chances. You know, you hear this often, uh, Dean, always oh, a high-risk player. Listen, I have no problem with high risk if it's high reward. I have a problem with high risk if it's low reward. And you know what? If it's low risk and low reward, like I don't want that. What Everybody wants the ideal situation, which is low risk and high reward. Good luck finding that, you know. Uh, you know, what, what I would say about Brandt is it doesn't matter where he is on the ice, where he has the puck. There's a composure to his game. There's a, a, an advanced processing going on about where the next play is and where he can take advantage. And, and he does it with his passing. He does it with his skating, jumping into the attack. And to me, you're talking about uh, he's an elite defenseman, and, and I don't think there's any question about it. You know, just the the calmness part of his game that you you just described, and uh, you know everything that came to my mind was the one year I really got to watch Chris Pronger up close with the Edmonton Oilers, and yeah. just how he he was like a conductor, and you know got that symphony to Game Seven of the uh, the Stanley Cup Final, and I'm not saying that you know Brandt is is going to be an automatic Hall of Famer like uh, Chris Pronger was, but just that calmness to uh, you know I, I had people when Chris Pronger was in Edmonton say he looks so lazy he doesn't look like he's trying yeah because he doesn't have to it's almost like neo in the matrix they're just automatic very calm under pressure and and how much does that filter off to the rest of the team do you think when a guy is like that and can really settle things down especially maybe if a game is kind of gotten out of control a little bit or you know a team maybe blows a lead a guy like that can just maybe settle the play down well you know it's incredibly important i, I you know you talk about pronger I was really lucky in Dallas. We had Sergei Zuboff. Sergei mm. Zuboff was exactly the same. And, you know, he, he, he would make plays and you would go, geez, how did he make that play? But, you know, when he was out on the ice, it, it wasn't just the sense of calm that he displayed. It was that sense of calm, as you just talked about, that, you know, w- was able to spread and permeate throughout the rest of the team and the rest of the players. It was like, oh, he's got it under control. And Brant certainly has that. You know, you talk about Chris Pronger, and I've watched Chris Pronger since he was 14 years of age. And I remember in his draft year in Peterborough, and and if you can believe this, I mean, there was scouts going in there talking about Chris Pronger, he's not competitive, Chris Pronger doesn't do this, look at the guy, he doesn't make any effort. I remember one night, uh, Dennis Patterson, uh, who I'd worked with for a number of years and was our chief scout uh, with the Minnesota North Stars, we're sitting there and we're listening to all this and he turns to me, he goes, this guy can play the game in a rocking chair. He makes the game look easy. And I think at that point in time, he was like, a, like you know, plus minus was, you know, was a heavily used stat. He said, this guy's like 100 plus 110. Like, are <laughs> they watching how he just passes the puck and makes everything look so efficient? But I mean, that's part of scouting too, Dean, and it gets, it gets you into a conversation about, uh, you know, the evaluation process. You know, it's great to watch a player dipsy, doodle, and dangle, and flash and dash, and, you know, there's every player is different, like, you know, but there's, you don't have to, you don't have to be racing up and down the ice, end to end, you know, toe-dragging everything to be a good player, but... That's what catches the attention of scouts at times. And then scouts go and make uh, assumptions and, uh, you know, they look at a player and, oh, yeah, he's not competitive. No, he is competitive. 
And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've always said, you cannot measure mental effort. You cannot measure it. But how it is measured is in the sense of calm and in the sense of assuredness that a player is on the ice. And more than that, like how many times do they just always make the right play? That mm -hmm. was Chris Pronger. Like Chris said, and so again, like it's great. Like watch the flash and dash. There's a lot more to the game than flash and dash. And, and you know, this is a, a true number one defenseman. And we said a number one defenseman cool. plays in every situation. But there are different kinds of number one defensemen. You know, there were guys like Larry Robinson, who you didn't want to go in the corner with. Chris Pronger, who you didn't want to stand in front of the net with. And then guys like Niedermeyer, Zuboff, who, you know, weren't overly physical, but still defended really well. Where does Brant Clark fit? Is there a physical, real physical edge? He's got some decent size. Or does he just uh, defend with kind of his brain and his body and angling? Where, where's that uh, sort of... Uh, uh, skill set with him yeah i wouldn't say he's a physical presence but you know he 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 uses his body and he uses his leverage to to gain advantages and you know i heard john Tavares talk about this a few days ago about the toronto maple leafs he said you know what like we're not a team or players that are going to run over you and you know bruise you he goes, but we want to get in and we want to separate you from the puck and we want to establish that we're going to be on your hip and we're going to be forcing you to have to work through us in, in terms of where we where, where we put ourselves body position-wise because we want to gain those advantages and we want to hold those advantages. and That's how we play. And I, I think I go back to the Detroit Red Wings uh, when they were winning all their Stanley Cups. I remember one night being in Calgary and it was a playoff game and Nick Lidstrom, all he did was get into the way of somebody, turn, mm. get the puck, and go the other way. He, he did it like dozens of times. And at the end of the night, I, I remember looking at the uh, summary sheet, and it had Chris Prong, or, uh, Nick Lidstrom with zero hits on the night. And I was laughing because I was thinking, like, you know, this is hilarious. All he did was just get in the way, you know, kind of work his way in perfect position, take the puck away from you. Like, but but it shows up as zero hits. Like, the, the effectiveness and the efficiency of Nicholas Lidstrom was was unprecedented, really, when you think about it. Niedermeyer was the same way. You know, they, they were stealth, and they just took the puck away from you. You didn't even realize you didn't have the puck anymore. They got mm -hmm. in your way. You didn't even realize it, right? So I, I think that's the way that the defense has played a lot more. The, the, the world of Scott Stevens, you know, thundering through the neutral zone with big hits just doesn't exist anymore. The players aren't trained that way. The game doesn't demand it that way. I think it, it, it works more in, in the way that John Tavares describes it and the way Nicholas, Nicholas Lindstrom played the game, the way Scott Niedermeyer played it. Uh, you know, two different types of players with respect to their skill set, but their effectiveness was 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 done in making it look easy. And I mean making it look easy. Man, one of the mo the most favorite NHL games I got to watch. I don't remember the score or anything, but you know when Trish used to work for Aquila, we would get seats sometimes if uh, you know seat filling for for a camera spot. We sat front row, right up against the glass, Detroit Edmonton, and watched Detroit in the the defensive zone for for two periods. Watching Nick Lidstrom in that game was it was like I was at, I was at a, a ballet or you know a concert a symphony because you know like I said how Chris. 
Pronger did it. Just watching Nick Lidstrom do that, just like you said, without crashing anybody into the boards, it was easily one of the uh, my most favorite uh, viewings uh, of an NHL game. So uh, I, I'm really glad uh, I'm glad you brought that up. Let's talk about uh, another Swedish uh, defenseman now, uh, and this is uh, Simon Edvinson, uh, a defenseman with the uh, Swedish U18 team. Spitfire Scouting uh, purchased this NFT for a hundred and ten dollars and he had a couple of penalties in uh, two games so far what you know Sweden had a tough one yesterday against Canada obviously but you know were there things that uh, still impressed you about uh, Edmondson's game yeah I mean uh, you lose 12-1 it's hard to talk about you know being impressed but you know he's such an elite skater and you know that skating allows him to, to really gobble up space, space that he wants to try to get if he's carrying the puck or trying to beat pressure, but also space he takes away from opponents because that agility, the footwork, uh, the pivoting, I mean, he, he's able to, to get right in on you. And then because of his length and his reach makes it really, really difficult to operate because you, you just don't have a lot of space there. So, you know, those are the things, you know, I'm watching with Simon and, you, you know, whether you're losing uh you know a game or you're winning a game you can still watch for those things and i think for sure uh you know simon displayed those things i i I think the biggest thing with simon is is you're going to have to make an assessment on where you think his offensive game can go and you know if you if you think his offensive game has a lot of room and a lot of uh, growth in it then, you, you know, you, you're going to see a player that's going to be able to really play in a lot of significant areas of the game. And and if if he, if you don't, well, then that's okay too, but you, you're going to get a different type of player. And, you know, the example I would give, I mean, yeah, people say, oh, yeah, we'll draw comparisons to Victor Hedman. That's based on the skating, right? But, you know, when I watch uh, Simon Edmondson, you look and you go, okay, could he be – Victor Hedman, perhaps he might be more Hayden Flurry because mm. Hayden Flurry was a great skater, is a great skater, and you watch and he was a you know Hayden is a good competitor and everything, but the offensive game is is just not there uh, for uh, Hayden Flurry, and maybe Noah Hannafin is a is, is is a comparison, you know the the great skaters that you're looking at and saying oh yeah well there's going to be offense there, maybe there isn't, maybe there isn't. And I can understand why you might want to project it, but you're going to have to weight uh, the potential of his offensive game against the other elements of his game, and then understand, okay, what do you what what do you value? What do you want? And and, and take it from there, because you know you look at Noah Hannafin and Zach Wierenski, who played on the same team with the U.S. National Team Development Program. In terms of offense, it wasn't close. It wasn't close. And it wasn't close when they were 16 and 15 years of age. Zach was way ahead of him, and he continues to be way ahead of him. But Noah is a, is a great skater. There was a projection that he would develop that offense. you got to be able to develop something that you have. I'm not so sure Simon has that offensive capability. 
Yeah, and, and we've we've discussed that uh, of of you know trying to fit a, a round peg into a square hole or, or whatever analogy you want to use. You can't you can't force a player to be something that he isn't. And you know with that size and that reach, um, it, it sounds like he you know he is able to use that. Um, you know also sounds like he's a pretty technically smart player. You know this could be a really really solid great uh, a really really solid NHL defenseman and and great as at um, you know shutting that things down like we talked about without putting guys through the boards which doesn't happen a lot more but sounds like could be a you know if you if you develop this player right you got his mobility you got his uh, reach you got his technical uh, sounds like a pretty good defenseman you want in your own end well no question about it and he's a player that can transition he's a player that you know gets the puck into the offensive zone and tries to tries to do some things offensively but just because you try things offensively doesn't mean you're going to be proficient at it and you know and and the other thing is is you got to be realistic about what you're what you're looking for. If, if you think like, let's just use an example. If you think Simon Edmondson is going to be Victor Hedman, I can guarantee you, you are going to be disappointed. Guaranteed. I'll tell you that mm. right now, because now it's not realistic. But if you say, Hey, listen, we're going to get a really good defenseman. who's going to play in our top three, excellent skater, really good defensively. He's going to be able to get the puck moving. He might not get as many points as a, as a top end uh, uh, offensive defenseman, but we're going to value that. And and then if he does get like he becomes a 45 point guy or a 50 point guy, you're going to be really happy. But if you turn it around the other way, there's no way he can be happy. Yeah, and you know, j- just because uh, like just because a guy maybe doesn't score up on show up on the score sheet as an assist doesn't mean the way he transports the puck, skating it, yeah. passing it, isn't really valuable for that team because somebody's got to get the puck up the ice and uh, into the offensive zone. And it uh, sounds like uh, certainly uh, he can do that. All right, uh, let's jump to uh, Team Russia now and uh, talking about uh, Fyodor Svechkov, uh, a forward uh, who has two goals, two assists in two games, that wild game that Russia had with the U.S. And uh, what a fine for Ruby. ISS scouting listing this player I believe for $20 uh, very very impressive could be a nice payday what's caught your eye about Svechkov at this tournament the, honestly up until the last minutes of the second game of the tournament that Russia played against Finland and Svechkov took two penalties I, like I said does he ever make a mistake does he <laughs> ever make a mistake in the game? Honestly, he, he to me, I'm watching him play, and I've watched him play for for a while, and I like you know I you know that I liked him. Honestly, like I uh, like to me, he's like a complete two way player. He, he's he's effortless in, in his determination. He's smart. Everywhere he's on the ice, he's making a difference. You know, I like like I don't think he's going to be a, a, an eighty point NHL player, but. But I can tell you this, the way he skates, the way he thinks, the way he competes, the way he understands every single situation in the game, and the way that he finds a way to make a difference in all those different situations, like, I, like I'm going like, I want him. I, he's the type of player I want on my team if I want to win. And to me, like I said, I, I wrote down in my notes during the game, I said, does he ever make a mistake? And then he took the two penalties. Uh, they did pay for them. But, you know, when he's in the penalty box, you know, it's not a good thing uh, for, for, for Russia. He, he's that good. He's that he, – he's complete. He's a complete player. 
Is he t- is he the type of player that um, you know teams maybe f- didn't focus enough on his offensive uh, potential before, and now that is is coming out, or has it always been there? Because it sounds like from what I read about him is that yeah, his defensive game is sound. He's a guy that the coach wants to throw out there all the time. Uh, is now his is he maybe developing more of an offensive touch uh, as he goes along now? I don't know if he's developing it and gaining confidence, getting better at it, mm-hmm. you know, being comfortable, you know, playing off, you know, when you're a younger player and, and, and you're playing a little bit ahead at different points in time, not that Fjordor has, but you know, you're trying to find your own game. You're trying to find a, a, a real sense of balance in your game. And, you know, players, you know, depending on the system they're in, you know, they might be, oh, I'm going to have to focus on my defense because I want to move up. Right. I, I just see a player that's seamless seamless between offense and defense seamless you know with respect to when he has the puck when he doesn't have the puck and how he's going to approach uh different areas of of the ice and how he pushes opponents into vulnerable spots where he can take advantage offensively or defensively i think he's got great hockey sense and i think he's got this ability to really impact the game in really significant ways like i i think about winning and i think about you know, digging in into the into the real demanding parts of a game, and I, and and I just see him excelling in, in in all those areas. Like, you know, I'm thinking that you you know you you start to look at a team that's trying to you know build through the center ice position. He's big. He's powerful. He can skate. He, you know, he's competitive. You know, you you get him into your spot on your team, and to me, you're getting a player that is going to be a real strong contributor and and be able to help you in so many different ways and help you as time goes on. Like because he's got such a great foundation defensively, he can start earlier and maybe not have to focus in on it, on his offense and then continue to work on that as as he gets a little bit older, a little bit more mature. But uh, I think he's superb. I think he's superb. Yeah, and and just uh, could be an absolute goldmine for Ruby ISS scouting uh, twenty dollars on a player that uh, has has that much going for him. And speaking of scouting, uh, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS Hotline Scouting, a huge part of the platform, lifeblood of the franchises in the Ultimate Fantasy Hockey League. Any free agent has to go through a scout. Any prospect goes through a scout, just like the players and the NFTs we just spoke about. So get in the game where you own the game. Put your scouting talent to good use. You're, you know, the, the guys and girls out there, you're always telling your buddies how, how much you know more about certain scouts. So become an independent, form a partnership uh, with an existing franchise. Uh, my franchise, Duckman's Dynasty, has a, a partnership with High Level Scouting. Uh, my wife, Trish, owns that. Craig is the president of a scouting, so you can reach out for more information. You can find more information at www.uffsports.com, and there's so much going on. Maybe maybe there'll be a Craig Button NFT someday as uh, the president of scouting for High Level. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. I bet you there'd be a big bidding war for that one. I'll have to pay to get somebody to buy it. So, like, yeah, there'll be a bidding war by me and me alone. Uh, I, I think there'll be a few out there that would like to get their hands uh, on an NFT of a, a former Stanley Cup champion and GM. And, and of course, uh, a great all around guy, Craig. So, we really appreciate Thanks, you uh, yeah. to be a part of this. I love being a part of it. Yeah, it's great. I love the notes. I love the notes I get from you. Okay, what what do you want to do here? And I sit down. And you know me, if I don't know a player, I'll tell you I don't know them, right? Like, bingo. 
Yeah, and you know, I can say, and then I watch. I mean, some of the names you had sent me, I, you know, I, I did some research and on my own notes, and I said, yeah, I don't, I don't have any notes. I don't, you know, usually if I don't have it in my memory, it's usually because I haven't seen them, or you know, there's been nothing impressionable made on me in terms of my notes. But you know, you continue to watch, and I, you know, one of the one of the things I really emphasize is keep watching, keep watching, and you know. The good game, bad game scouting is only going to get you into a bad place scouting. Mm. You know, you, you got to be evaluating attributes and skills and progress and development. You've heard me say this. It's never static. You know, I, I, I believe, I honestly believe that every time I go and watch uh, a game and I'm watching players, that I'm learning something. Uh, and, and usually more than just one thing. And, and I'm learning th that like, okay, there's, there's not as much of that as I thought. There's more of that than I thought. That player's better in that area than I thought. That player's not as good in that area as I thought. And, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to test yourself. You have to really uh, challenge your own uh, assessments. And am I right here? Am I missing something? Like I was watching a, a young player on Sweden uh, in game one when they were playing uh, Belarus, a, a young defenseman by the name of Anton Olsen. Now, I've seen him play before at a younger age. And, you know, he, he played he played in the SHL this year and acquitted himself quite well. And I'm watching the game and I'm watching. I go, geez, he, he, he's smart. He's good. He did. And at, just at the same time that I was saying, a, a name popped into my head. And I, I wrote the name down and I asked a couple of people, I asked one of the teams that drafted him, you know, does this player remind you of, of the player? I'm not going to mention the other player's name. Does Anton Olsen remind you of this player? For the record, the player I was comparing him to was a high second round draft pick. And the team that drafted him, he said, wow, he goes, now that I thought about it, yeah, he's got a lot of similarities. And then, you know, he said to me, he goes, well, you know, Matt just, you know, just kind of hit a, hit a wall. I said, oh, yeah, I know. I really loved him. I thought he was a terrific player. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I just said, you know, okay, I got to keep to evaluate. I got to just see how, how it works out and take it from there. There you well, go. The player, well, I guess I, I just said Matt. The player's name was Matt Finn. He was a okay. second-round draft pick. And so, you know, and I loved him. I thought he was terrific. I thought that, but he never, he was never able to find his way. And sometimes that happens with players, mm -hmm. but, you know, in terms of style and the way he played and, and Anton Olsen really reminded me of Matt. And, you know, so it wasn't a player that I didn't like. It was a player that I did like, but you ask yourself that question. And as I go back and evaluate and watch, I'll, I'll continue to just try to build out that picture of that player. Well, we learned the the Russians are, are a resilient bunch after that comeback from the U.S. And Nikita Chabrikov, a forward for Russia uh, at the U18s. He's owned by Spitfire Scouting, $125 paid for this NFT. Two goals, two assists so far. He scored the game winner uh, on a bit of an end-to-end -end rush and a, um, an odd angle goal. But what did you see about him before? Was was he one of the key guys that started uh, getting this Russian team going? Did he do anything during that game when they were down? That, that you thought helped turn things around? Well, he did. And, and a couple of things about that game, too. Like, you know, so you're sitting there and, you know, Chabrikov took a penalty and, and, and the United States scored on a power play. 
and and that was just one of the things that happened. It led to their uh, led the, to them being down five one. And when the, when the goalie got pulled, I, I said like you know you really can't fault. I really couldn't fault the goalie. And you know Dean, I'm not a goalie hugger. So <laughs> you know for me for 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 me to 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 excuse the goaltender, you know, was something that uh, you know you gotta you know, that I always try to keep in mind, right? And you know, so from that perspective. Uh, I thought that once they pulled the goaltender, it was one of those polls that says, you know what, you got, you better get uh, playing, you guys. And uh, from that point on, they took over the game. Like the Russians took over the game. They physically, skill-wise, they owned the game. I'm watching it. They made it 5-2. Chabrikov scored the third goal. I believe it was the third goal on just a quick play. The hands were magnificent. So when you talk about he takes a penalty, gets him in the hole, but he's so gifted that he was able to be a big part of getting him out of the hole and ultimately winning. But they took that game over, and I really said, like, I, I had no doubt they were going to tie the game. Now you get into overtime or whatnot, you might be a bad break, but they won that game. And you talk about that odd angle goal. If you go back and you watch it, Shabrikov is, is is moving quickly. He's got magic hands. Like, he has got magic hands. And so when he sees an opening and the goaltender gives just a little bit of a, of a sight line to where that opening can be, Chabrikov can nail it. Other guys are going to hit you in the pad. Other guys are going to hit you in the arm. Not Chabrikov. He, 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 he knows where the hole is. He finds the hole and boom, it's through you before you know. He's got, a, he's got an exceptional release too. So he doesn't give the goaltender a real good read on where that shot's coming from. So if you give him an opening, He's going to take advantage. You think top half of the first round uh, for this guy? I mean, that kind of skill certainly shouldn't be ignored. And, um, you know, teams should learn from, you know, the the, the size and the hands and and the shot. It reminds me a little bit of Kucherov a little bit, to to, to be honest. And, And I haven't watched him a lot. But do you think he's top half or bottom half of the first half or second half of the first round? Yeah, that's a tough question, honestly. I'm not trying to, I mean, the skill is is really good. And, you know, I like, you, you think of Tarasenko. Like, I think about Vladimir Tarasenko, and where did he go? 16th in the draft, I believe, mm-hmm. somewhere okay. in there. So that would be right at the midpoint, you know, right at the end of the first uh, half, and right at uh, right before the beginning of the second half of the draft. So, you know, like, like I would say there's a range of, of where he goes in that part of the draft, and you know, but again, I talk about players that what is your identifiable skill? What are your attributes? What are your strengths? And, you know, what are you getting when you're trying to get these players into your group? To me, that's what you got to be able to celebrate. If you want an exceptionally skilled player, he's competitive and he can, as you point out, he can finish the plays uh, rather quickly. Uh, you know, if that's what you want and that's what you want to celebrate, then. I have no question that uh, he is uh, a player that you better jump all over. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Not a guy that you should be thinking is going to keep slipping and slipping and then you can grab him uh, (laughs) later on, right? Uh, All right. Well, speaking of celebrating, this guy uh, celebrated three times uh, yesterday, Shane Wright, and he is... Uh, obviously a guy for the 2022 draft, and there he is. High-level scouting. Uh, Trish won the bidding war. It was a great celebration for us that day when she eventually won this bidding war for $525. 
looking forward to the 2022 draft. And and how about that game yesterday? Even strength, power play, shorthanded goal. I mean, that that was, uh, you know, I, I asked you last week about a slow start. Well, egg on my face for that one. But that was the perfect resume of a complete player is, you know, not only scoring goals in three different ways, but, you know, just being in three different situations like that. And, you know, this... You know, people are going to be wowed by the offensive numbers, but tell me more about the complete player that Shane Wright is. Well, you know, so the offensive numbers are, are what they are. And, you know, they're all, you know, you go to look at the stat sheet, you know, it's all there. And he's been a very prolific offensive player for a long time. So that should come as no surprise. So you think about the first goal and it's on the power play and you, he gets that puck. Brent Clark gets to the middle of the ice. And if you watch, Brent Clark is trying to keep the puck in. It's not a clean puck at the blue line, but Brent Clark's hands are so good that he not only gets the puck, keeps it in, but he gets it settled down. Well, at the same time that he, that Shane Wright is, is watching Brent Clark, he's also getting himself into a really good spot where he can get the pass, and it makes it a little bit easier on Brent Clark. So... Now the puck comes over to Shane Wright. He's prepared himself, and now he's got now he's got room to move. Right, he's, he he comes off that left wing dot, gets to the dot, sees an open, bang, it's in the net. But he he he's allowed himself uh, that that opportunity because he gets himself in a position to receive the puck, and now he's got room to work with. So that's you know just the, the mind, you know where where he understands the game spatially and where he understands how to take advantage of, of passing lanes and making sure that he has the space to operate. The second goal, his former Don Mills Flyers line mate Brennan Othman is on the rush, and he takes a big hit uh, from the mm-hmm. Swedish defenseman. Yeah. But as the hit comes, where, where is Shane Wright coming? Coming right in, coming right in below uh, above the puck with speed, picks up the puck, and it's beyond the goaltender before he can bat an eyelash. Beyond the goaltender. Just brilliant in terms of, you know, there's Shane Wright, perfect position again, reading the play, and then the quickness in his mind, the quickness in his skating, and then the great uh, the great release, and, and it's finished perfectly. And now you look at the shorthand goal. This is where video doesn't give you, uh, like, the whole context. So the play is in the... Canada end. And now as as they're coming up the ice, Shane Wright moves all the way over to the right side of the ice to give a better passing angle. But not only that, the Swedish defense cannot close on him. So as he receives the pass, he's able to move across the blue line into the offensive zone. He doesn't have to worry about unnecessarily fighting off an opponent. He doesn't have to worry about in this battle, how do I create more space? And then when he does see the opening, it's in the net. And you know, that's the brilliance of, of Shane Wright. It, it, it's the things he does before he gets the puck. It's the things that he does that leaves him in position to, to, to get the puck. And, you know, the 200 by 85, if you multiply it, I think the square footage is 1,700 feet, 1,700 square feet. If you can find me a part of that square footage that he's not good on on the ice, please tell me. Maybe... Maybe in the blue ice, maybe in the blue ice in, in that area, that square footage, the net area and, and the blue ice. Other than that, he, he, he's outstanding. He's outstanding. Well, we- 
We saw Anisimov have to put on the goal equipment uh, the other night as a backup. Maybe he'll become a star goalie at some point uh, as well. But, uh, you know, in all seriousness, he goes to where the puck is going to be. He puts himself oh. into the, the best situation. You know, you know, going to, to, to where the puck is is, you know, a lot of guys score goals that way. But the, the greatest players are a step ahead or two steps ahead, and they put them into that position where, you know, the puck is going to bounce to or the pass is going to be easier, as you mentioned. And that's what greatness is, is getting to that spot before the puck gets there. It, it, it really is. And, you know, I was talking to Marty St. Louis, his son, Ryan St. Louis, is playing for Team USA. And we were talking about good players and playing with good players. And, and, and Marty, M- Marty, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. He, he put it best. He goes, I, I, I needed to know I was going to get the puck when I needed to get the puck. He goes, it's not so much that, you know, the player has to race up the ice or bulldoze his way up the ice. He goes, when I'm moving into an offensive position and, you know, my game was off, I needed to get the puck when I needed the puck at the right time. Not, not when that guy was ready to give it up at the right time. And, you know, Shane Wright, that's Shane Wright. That's Shane Wright. I don't know what else to say. I mean, he, I've said it. His game reminds me so much of Patrice Bergeron. So, if, if, if we go and we assess, you know, a Patrice Bergeron-esque uh, type player, I think Shane Wright fits pretty nicely. Well, uh, Trish is going to really love that. And, you know, if you, you, you look at this picture right now, if you were to flip this picture around, you would see the C on his jersey, as you correctly predicted on, on last week's episode, that he would be a candidate to wear this C. And, um, I, I, you know, like there, there are superstar players um, in, in, in every sport that maybe aren't great team guys that you wouldn't want as captain. And then there are superstar players that you just, you just gravitate to, um, you know, and, and use whatever name you want. But this is a guy who just seems to be that guy that every play, other player wanted, wants to gravitate to. You know, when, when you're factoring in, and this is going to be a factor for teams, for very few teams that are going to get a chance to draft Shane Wright. How much does that play into it? I know you said we can't measure mental, uh, like the mental assessment, but how much does leadership, mental culture, mental effort, yeah, a leadership, culture, you know, the fact that he's wore the C here, he wore it at the U-17s, you know, is, is, could that be a tipping point if everything being equal, Craig? Oh, certainly it can be. There's no question it can be. You know, do you see that name on the back of the jersey? It's spelled W-R-I-G-H-T. Yes. So that's what should be on the back of Shane Wright's jersey. And what's always been on the front of his jersey is a C. And that and that represents the qualities of leadership. He's always demonstrated it. And, you know, it, you know, when we were talking last week, I, I, I wasn't saying it because he was a really good young player, talented-wise. I knew that he's a really good leader. <laughs> and mm. I knew that where he fit, I, I, you know, I told you that he was one of the three captains on, on the Canadian entries at the U 17, you know, like leadership doesn't say you got to be a certain age or you have to have a certain skill. It, 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 it's the things that you do. It's I always tell young people, older people, anybody, you cannot be a leader of others until you're a leader of yourself. Mm. And you got to be really good disciplined, consistent, reliable, all the things and the best you can be focused in on getting better, helping others, all the things that go in with leadership. Well, I, I can only tell you this, 
you know, all those qualities I just listed, there's a check mark beside every single one of them beside Shane Wright's name. And, and, and it can be a separator. There's no question. I mean, are you going to not draft Patrick Kane uh, first overall in 2007 because, he, you know, he might not demonstrate, the, you know, those things? No. Does it mean mm-hmm. that he, he's not a good leader? No. He's a great team player. He's a really good leader. But sometimes you got Jonathan Taze. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about uh, taking on that role. But it doesn't mean he can't. I mean, we went through it in 1988. And when I say we, I wasn't, uh, I mean, it was the Minnesota North Stars. I was just starting. So I had nothing to do with it. But going through the process of draft, considering Mike Medano and Trevor Linden, Everybody talked about Trevor Linden's great leadership capabilities. And I don't think there was any question he had them. And everybody knew how talented Mike was. But, you know, at the, at the end of it, it wasn't that Mike wasn't a really good leader. He just, I mean, Trevor just had that a little bit more. But Mike was a way better skater and had a way better shot. And it was way better <laughs> offensively, right? So, you know, you can you can try to differentiate. It's, it's about understanding what do you want. I, I keep going back to this, what do you want? You know, and Trevor Linden was was terrific. He had a terrific NHL career. Mike Medano's a Hall of Famer. That doesn't lessen Trevor Linden. But for the Minnesota North Stars, it was about Mike Medano and, you know, the qualities that he had. And, and Mike was. Mike was terrific. There's nothing wrong. But Trevor, at 17 years of age, he, he, he was one of those natural leaders that had been thrust into a position where it was very clear how good he was. Mm-hmm. And on a successful program as well. Uh, okay, tonight, uh, Canada, uh, Latvia, uh, obviously uh, a bit of a blowout in game one, you know, kind of expectations for tonight. And and uh, how important is it, you know, you don't have to celebrate every goal like it's uh, you know, the first goal you ever scored, but how important is it to not, for, for, you know, Canadian players, if the game gets out of hand, you still have to keep pushing because there are important people watching. So while you don't have to celebrate every goal, how important is it to play until that final buzzer as hard as you can in what could be a blowout situation? Normally, guys are taught, okay, let's let's take the gas off. You know, what's that like in this tournament? Well, what I would say to you is this. Okay, so to your point, number one, the players are trying to demonstrate their capabilities you know, to, to, every player wants to put their best foot forward. They want to be drafted high. So you, you got to go out there and show everything you can. Secondly, for Team Canada, it's about details. You know, they're going to play Latvia, Switzerland, and, and, and Belarus. So uh, there's no question in my mind that they're going to win those games and they're going to finish. But now you got to get prepared for Monday. Monday's going to is their quarterfinal game. And they're going to be either playing the USA, Russia, Finland, or Czech. You better have the details of your overall game in place because you're here representing a team. And, you know, the goal is, is to win and compete, is to compete and win the gold medal. And certainly Canada is, is capable of doing that, working on the details and then making sure that those details that are important for the team are also in place for you. You know, don't start trying to be something you're not just because you think it might be a little bit easier because number one, it's not going to re- represent who you are as a player. And number two, it might come and haunt the team down the road. Don't let the first affect the second. Great advice, as usual. Uh, we'll be watching uh, you and Muddy on the uh, the broadcast tonight uh, at uh, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern, as Canada takes on Latvia. And then we'll chat next week uh, as well. Thanks, as always, Craig. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. 
I will. Thanks, Steve. You have a great day. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. Pay that man his money. I'm your huckleberry. Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. UFFS, you own the game. Uh, looking forward to that uh, game tonight and uh, you know, having a lot more to talk about next week as we head into the uh, the finals and uh, the, uh, the, or the semifinals, quarterfinals on Monday, semifinals on Wednesday, and then uh, the final. And, of course, uh, we will be doing Craig's Council at the end of this season. Uh, that's where Craig gives us story time and scouting tips and your questions get answered. If you have a question that you want to know the answer to, whether it's about uh, you know how to scout a player, what to look for in a player's shot or skating or, or anything like that, you can submit that. Or if you just want to know a story about maybe a player that uh, Craig would have scouted or drafted as a, as a director of scouting with Dallas or as a GM in Calgary or just anything else, uh, there's so many good characters out there. And Craig has a million stories, so we'll never run out. But if you do want to get in touch, it's tracking the draft at gmail.com and we'll add it to the list of topics uh, that we have already. We have uh, quite a few questions that we haven't been able to get to from the last two episodes like that, but we try to do it midway through the season and at the end of the season. Uh, and this is uh, season two, so we have one more coming up. Thank you so much uh, for watching or listening uh, wherever you do get uh, your podcast. We appreciate it. Obviously, um, you can leave us a review. You can let us know what you think. Uh, subscribe. If you're watching on the, the UFSN YouTube channel, it's just a click of the subscribe. Hit that bell and you get a notification every time uh, we put out an episode. Uh, but wherever you're listening, thank you very much for doing so. And uh, please uh, let us know what you think of the show. All right, I uh, want to remind you about the amazing Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports website. There is so much going on there as well, just like there is at the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network, the UFFS podcast every second Sunday. we got a great one coming up this weekend. Fantasy Hockey Time, one more episode of that on Monday, and then we're going to switch to something else as the hockey fantasy season is wrapping up. Two Minute Tuesdays with Darren Bates. This show, obviously on Wednesdays with Craig Button and UFHL now on Friday. And we've got some really uh, cool shows uh, coming out as well. If you'd like to get in touch with me on this program and uh, join the show as an advertiser, tracking the draft at gmail.com is where you can do that. And you can find some more amazing shows on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network YouTube channel. For my shows and past episodes of Tracking the Draft, check out podcastalley.ca. The stars of tomorrow discovered and discussed there. Big thanks to Craig Button. Have a great week in fantasy, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Mm-hmm.